The Jeremy White Show. Our next guest is a member of one of my favorite rock groups around the world. Let's be honest here. The brand new record. It's the eighth album, by the way. Where do we go from here? Available now wherever you get your music. You got the CDs. You got the vinyl. Make sure you digital download, stream it, pirate it. Do whatever you got to do to get it in your life because it's it's so good. Uh, welcome to the show for the first time. The one, the only, from Asking Alexandria, Ben Bruce. How's it going, man? Mate, I'm great. Thank you so much. I'm glad you uh, you enjoy the new album. Oh, dude, it's fantastic. Did you think going into the studio and recording this record, like, fans would be as receptive as and as excited as they've been? Um, I mean, it's always the hope, you know. Um, I think <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, fuck it. Nobody's uh, excited about this. Yeah, please like this one. But, no, I think the, the thing about asking is we always try, like, every record's been different than, the, than its predecessor. So, you know, it, it's always, we never really know. And, you know, thankfully, it's like, you know, there's always someone that listens to it and enjoys it. Um, but this time, I think we made... An, a valiant effort a really big effort to make sure we try to encompass everything that asking has has been and 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 sounded like throughout the entirety of our career so you know with this one we very much wanted it to be if you, you push play and listen to it from start to finish there's something on there um f- for every single ask alexandria fan you know whether you like the really early stuff the newer stuff the middle stuff or all of it you know i think there's there's snippets of all of that kind of melded into one record here and that was a, that was the goal anyway right i mean you know talk a little bit about that i mean one of the things i love about your band is that i mean it's kind of everywhere across the rock genre you've done you know you got the ballads and you got the scream and you got the blast beats and you got the melodic solos i mean how important is it for you guys to explore all of it and not just be stuck in a box it's it's really important um i've been you know i've been introduced i was introduced to music at such a young age what was um, the band? Who was who introduced you to music? I think honestly, it was I was I was really fortunate. So my grandma was really into music, and I used to stay with that my grandparents a lot when I was a kid. Me too. Um, my parents had to work a lot. Yeah. So even from the age of two, my grandma would sit me on her lap and she'd be playing, you know, Beethoven on the piano a lot. So I was introduced to music at such a young age, and it was classical music through my my grandma. And then my dad is like a blues player. He plays the blues harp. So he introduced wow. me to like Eric Clapton, BB King. Um, all kinds of sort of Gary Moore, uh, big blues players. So from a young age, I was listening to different ends of the spectrum of music anyway. Um, and then as I got older, my parents um, got divorced and my stepdad introduced me. He listened to more metal bands of the era, uh, of his era. So he introduced me to like the Scorpions and Deep Purple and Pink Floyd rock bands and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I had stuff coming in from every direction um growing up and so for me to kind of pigeonhole myself and say i'm just going to do this one kind of music that uh, was never really an option you know and so we always try and inject as many different aspects as we can into it and i think even you know even if you go back and listen to our earlier stuff there's always i think that influence from my grandma has always been in asking as well there's always massive or- orchestration orchestration and you know symphony sections and strings and pianos so um, I think it's it's nice to be able to explore different regions and try and bring them all together and make them sound cohesive somehow. Yeah. You know, I, I can't stand like the snobby guys of metal and rock. They're like, you know, you got to be like the Ramones or Misfits. Get three chords and, you know, that's it. Well, no, like I'm a fan of, you know, like one of my favorite, like my favorite producer of all time is Mont Lang. And like, I'll listen to everything from I Def Leppard to Shania and like all those orchestrated guitar parts that he did with Def Leppard. And, you know, I'm friends with Phil Collin and we talk about that all the time, how Mutt would just sit them down and say, no, no, it can't just be chords. We need to orchestrate. Every single thing needs to have a purpose in the mix. And 
absolutely i mean even like and i know people like to make jokes about them and stuff but go and listen to the the nickelback stuff my line did and it's just like this is so good even the the the, the overall sound that was another thing about mutt's albums as well is is for me it's like sometimes the album can sound the same throughout whereas he created songs and they sounded like they needed to sound so the records were like a roller coaster um and I always enjoyed that about Mutt Lang's stuff and, and the way he approached uh, writing music and producing music. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorites as well. Did you ever approach your songwriting like the Mutt style? You know, like it's got to be verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, verse, chorus. Or like did, what was the songwriting like for you guys? It's, it's, it's definitely progressed over the years. I think if you listen back to our earlier stuff, it's evident that you know we weren't very accomplished songwriters and the songs were kind of all over the place but i think you know with hindsight that's what kind of gives them their charm and makes them you know the 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 songs that they are so you know sometimes it's one of those things for me i always look at like a, a great example for me growing up i was never like classically trained or anything like that um i didn't really have um much musical knowledge other than what i could hear and being able to put what I hear in my head and, and down and get it out there. Whereas another friend of mine I went to school with, his name was Zane, uh, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal musician. And his parents put him into, he did the Suzuki method from like the age of three or something like that. Mm. So he could pick up any instrument he could, and, and play it. Literally, even if he'd never played it before, chuck a violin at him, he'd go, <laughs> oh, okay. And then he'd be playing it. And I was always very envious when I was young because, because it was a lot of effort for me to figure out, okay, this is what's happening. And once I did, you know, I could jam, but it, I'd have to figure it out, whereas he could just do it. And he sat me down one day and he goes, but sometimes that lack of knowledge is your secret weapon. It's the best thing you can do. He goes, because whilst I might, you might look at me and think he can do it all. He knows everything. He's like, what I can't do is th think outside the box. Like everything I do is taught. So there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And I think, you know, I've always carried that with me because it, it's so true when it comes to songwriting, I don't really think there should be or could possibly be a right way or a wrong way to write a song because it's art. And so had I had that knowledge previously, and this is how I've been told you have to write a song, I feel like it kind of limits it. And you hear that, you do hear it in a lot of pop music, you know where it's going. Um, yeah, you they got to stick to the formula. Happen exactly you know and i think to some extent it, it does work of course it does you can write fantastic songs that way but it's nice to be able to think outside the box and do things that don't follow the the, the formula and the structure which you know i think we explored that quite a lot on our previous record see what's on the inside if you listen to songs like find myself or even the title track you know there's no clear path um that, that we go through on those songs so it's nice to be able to do both i think yeah uh, talking about this new record, where do we go from here? It's available now wherever you get your music. Asking Alexandria, what's uh, what are some of your favorite tracks off this new album? <clears throat> it's so hard to 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 pick to pick a favorite track. I mean, because for me, it changes all the time. Before the record came out, for months, it was nothing left. I loved nothing left because it was very theatrical sounding to me, and um, there's a guitar solo in it. Which, being the guitarist, I, I mean, love. I love that. You know, <laughs> you need the solo. Um, you need the guitar solo you know and and you know that was always a thing for me too when we were a younger band i grew up really playing a lot of blues music and lead guitar and when asking sort of broke and we did our first albums there weren't really any guitar solos because they weren't 
I don't really know, like in vogue at the time. Do you know what I mean? Like you mm -hmm. did, people didn't really want it. even Metallica for a moment there and St. Angus stopped doing guitar solos. So, you know, and, and I, people always went, Oh, he can't play guitar solos. And it really upset me because I was like, I can. So now when asking started doing guitar solos, I was like, I like this. So selfishly, I really like nothing left because there's a guitar solo in it. But, you know, I think, the song I really circle back to time and time again, just to listen to is let go. I don't know what it is about that. song. I was just going to say, that's my favorite song on the album. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know what it is. It's the production. It's the, the lyrics, the, the vocal delivery, all of it. I'm just like, I really, really love that song. Really proud of that song. It sounds huge. Like the arrangements. Great. It, it also, but like this, don't take this wrong, but it sounds commercial and it's like very pleasurable to the ears and it's very melodic and it's just got a good vibe to it. Even though it's telling a you know yeah, a yeah. story as well, but no. you know you know what I mean. It's 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 a good song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, which is which is nice just to have, a, a, just a, like you say, a good, well-rounded song. You know, I think there's so many things. Like if you look back at rock music in the past, there, there's been so many examples of of predominantly rock bands or even metal bands to some extent writing songs that everyone loves them. You know, I mean, think of like the Eagles and Hotel California, everyone in the world loves that fucking song. Like they just do, whether they're actually a rock fan or not, they like the song, you know, and Metallica kind of did the same thing with, with uh, Enter Sandman. I know it's like, well, that was their big commercial thing. And some people get upset by it, but it's like, I've never met a person. It doesn't matter if they're a rapper or into hop, uh, hip hop or pop or jazz or metal or rock everyone knows and loves and Sandman because it's just a good song yeah um so you know I, I kind of i feel that way about about let go not saying it's it's uh and Sandman by any means but you know it's yeah. just a nice well-rounded song that i think people of multiple um walks of life can enjoy i want to go back to the guitar playing aspect for a second because he said something interesting where you know you weren't necessarily able to shine on those earlier records and do you know some some wank off solos i mean when people would say that like ah ben bruce he's a shit guitar player there's no way he could play eruption like are you sitting in the back of your mind like no oh, really like watch this like yeah i can you know but the, the thing that i think really irks me the most is you know people would be like oh he just plays zero 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 which you know at the time that was the kind of music we played a lot of breakdowns we did that was what we enjoyed it's what we love to do but I always listen back to some of the rhythms. And I'm like, yeah, but even in their own right, they're very complicated. They're almost mathematical equations. So even then, it's like, okay, it might only be this, but what's to, t to take away or detract from a rhythm? Um, and, you know, even like s small things that maybe a lot of musicians, uh, people that aren't musicians don't necessarily know, but like different time signatures and stuff across those earlier records and tempo changes, you know, those things are all things that make make a a, a com, you know a composition interesting and whilst they might not be immediately instantly like whoa what the hell like a guitar solo comes out and you're like whoa guitar solo you know they're just as important um aspects like that things like tempo changes key changes and time signature changes that aren't necessarily as in your face but you know as a as a songwriter you feel accomplished when you can get things like that into your into your song into your composition right yeah, I always think about that. You know, everybody talks about Eddie Van Halen and his crazy leads, but I mean, the man was just a brilliant rhythm player. I mean, like playing in the pocket. It's, and you even talk yeah, about... And I feel the same way about James Hetfield. You know, everyone always talks about, you know, J James Hetfield. 
comments to Lee Guitar, someone goes, man, but I'm like, dude, James Hetfield, unreal. Even the fact that he's playing some of those rhythms at the speed he's playing them and those riffs and singing at the same time, it's far more impressive to me than a guitar solo. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is, he's nuts. He's insanely talented. Yeah. Uh, speaking of guitars really quickly, you're one of the only guys I know in metal that doesn't play anything, any guitar without a locking nut. You know, like it's almost like you're anti Floyd at this point. <laughs> what, what is it about you and like, you know, not having any like, is it like, what is it? Because you always played kind of like Strat style, you know, bridges, no Floyds, no yeah. locking nuts. Like, is that is that the blues player in you that just kind of just wants to stay traditional? Say it's, it's the blues player in me, man. And I, I like, you know, I've always had a philosophy uh, as uh, less is more. And, you know, I listen, I just, the tones I can get out of the guitars I play mean so much to me. And it, it was fun for me being younger, trying to figure out ways to do cool stuff and to play heavy music on guitars that weren't necessarily designed to do it, you know. And, and the thing for me as well is I like to come home um, away from asking, away from tour, away from everything like that. And I, I'd still like to sit down and play guitar. So for me... I want to love playing my instruments, whether that's in asking or at home, you know, in, in the privacy of my own, my own home. I want to love them the same. And and that was a big thing for me. And, um, you know, people were always kind of confused by that. Like, I can't believe you're playing this live. I'm like, you just got to spend time getting the tone. And I think if you're comfortable on the guitar and you know the guitar and you can, you know, take it to its limits, you know, I think if, I, you know, listen to a... Um, alone again you know the, the first single of our last record that guitar tone is so heavy and it's so big and that's a strat it's it's a fender strat you know so i kind of like the challenge of of taking a guitar that most people wouldn't necessarily pick up to play something heavy and going it can be yeah and especially i mean if you're on stage and you got a fender strat with a single coil and playing with all that gain it's like you know normally screaming right back at you <laughs> yeah 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 i know and that's that's a challenge too you know but i mean you just uh, taking the time to to like i say learn the instrument learn you know what you can and can't do and then also for live purposes my guitar tech's a lifesaver he rides he rides the line with me you know he's 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 there on the side of the stage figuring it all out as we go and uh even like for me um I, I, for a long time, I was playing live uh, cabs and heads, which most people don't do anymore. You know, they'll they'll um, do it all digitally, and I've still I'm still got a, a head and a, a full stack cranking side stage, and my band would be like, "Man, this is so annoying. You're so much louder than everyone else." And I'm like, "This is what it should be, man. This is it." <laughs> you know, but I just I love it. Yeah, it's funny. I was just um, I was backstage at Megadeth a couple of weeks ago. and I was looking at Dave Mustaine's rig, and he's literally just got a neural DSP quad cortex with a line going to front, and then a line going to a power amp into one cabinet just for the stage, just so we could get some feedback. But that's it. Everybody's going the fractal and the neural DSP kind of thing. Uh, do you? Yeah. Are Are you going to get to that point, or are you sticking with with the heads? They still. I mean, you know. Um we still do run all that stuff as well um mm -hmm. mainly for mainly for things for, for me it's mainly for things like okay we have songs in so many different tunings instead right. of bringing 500 guitars i bring like 12 to 14 guitars and then if i'm playing a song that's like normally tuned in d and then the next song's in c 
I can use the, you know, the Kemper or whatever to be like, boop, and it, and it, it changes the tuning for me on the same guitar. So mm. for things like that, I think it's really, uh, really interesting. And two for stuff like overseas, when you go and travel like thousands of miles to another country, it gets super expensive, um, traveling with cabs and, and heads and stuff. And I don't like to, to rely on the promoters in another country and say, this is, this is myself and you get there and it's wrong. So in instances like that, you know, fractals and stuff are, are, um, they are re really useful, um, bits of gear, but you know, for me, there's nothing better than just a live massive cab and, and just a wall of noise. You know, I don't even wear a two in ears, um, you know, which is everyone's like, that's insane. You're going to go deaf. I just wear one and let this ear just take the full battering of what, whatever's uh, happening on the stage. But I feel like I just, you get that energy, you know? Yeah. Every, a lot of artists talk about that isolation that in-ears kind of give you. It, there's a bit of a disconnect. and There's a massive disconnect. I can't do it. I just, I don't, it's the same thing with headphones, honestly. Like I don't want to listen to music on headphones because I'm like, it's too here. I like, I love listening to music in the car because it can be loud and there's space and there's air. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm immersed in the music. Yeah. It's the same thing with in-ears live. You know, if you have two in-ears in, there is a massive disconnect and you can mic the crowd and there's tricks so that you can hear the crowd come, but it's not, you know, it's not the same as when, as when they're just battering your, uh, your eardrums. When you have the in-ears and you got the, just like the crowd mic sort of in the bin between songs, what's some of the funniest shit you've heard? Like audience people just yell at you. You know, my favorite still to this day is it's, it doesn't, it's, I feel like it must be a staple for every performing artist is people still like they'll come to an asking show and they'll be shouting for Freebird. Oh my like, man. <laughs> I, I, I agree, dude. I, now you've said it. I'm kind of turning around to my guys. I'm like Freebird. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, it's a great song. I can't blame you there. I want to listen to Freebird right now too. Unfortunately, we don't have time. So we're going to play this one. That's not as good. Yeah, yeah. One day asking is just going to kick into Freebird. People are going, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no one asked for that. Uh, yeah, they did. Actually, yeah, sweaty dude in the front row. <laughs> yeah, yeah. G6, he asked for it. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Actually, back in the day, you know, David Lee Roth, they sort of had that, his security team had a grid on the floor. You know, he'd go over to one guy, be like, see this hot girl? Okay, uh, corner section three, back row, redhead. Like, like they had like the whole grid on the floor, like planned out if he needed to get a pass to a chick or something. <laughs> that's insane. That is insane. Well, for us, it will be... Yeah, but we're gonna play free bird. I'd have to learn the 500 minute guitar solo first. Yeah, that would Watch take up the entire set length. Whenever I think of uh, free bird, I always think of uh, uh, Devil's Rejects, the the final scene at the end. Me too. What <laughs> a scene! That is an absolutely incredible scene, isn't it? They're just going for it. There's another. There's another. Um, movie as well i can't remember for the life of me what movie it is they're in a church and it's the same kind of thing that song's playing and there's just a massive like the guy takes out every every bad guy in the church i can't remember what it is i feel like oh. it's, is it the kingsman or something yeah it's the kingsman i think i think it's the first is kingsman. it the kingsman it's so good i'm like this is yeah yeah it's a i'm like that scene is just so good it's absolute mayhem and it's i think that's free bird as well it's isn't it? Yeah, it, it's definitely Freebird. I was going to say it had happened in the sure. beginning, beginning of Happy Gilmore. I thought it was Freebird. Now so it's good. Tuesday's gone. So different one.
Oh, well, it's it's amazing. I love it. Uh, speaking of gear, really quickly, what did you use to record this record? Did you go the digital route, or did you mic up some cabinets and throw some some Soldano and some Marshall in there? Like, what did you, did you have some fun in the studio with this? This one we did. We we went digital actually because the last one, see what's on the inside, was fully that. I you know I bought. I went to town on chasing tone on see what's on the inside. So you know I did. I did. I used my uh, my Soldano it's down here. I had a bunch of lady stuff. I got some Rev stuff, Orange. Um, we used Marshalls. We used it all. Uh, um, and uh, same with the guitars. Like I was so obsessed with tone on the last record. I found um, uh, what was his name? Oh man, it's gonna kill me now. Uh, James. I think it's James Page was his name. Uh, I've probably got that wrong now, but but it doesn't matter it's irrelevant to the story but he was the first person um, yeah exactly he was the first person to sort of make the uh, old beat up looking uh 60s uh strats for um for fender and the master shop back in i think it was like 1990 or something like that Hmm. um and so he he kind of made these and i went i was so obsessed with tone that i went and i found one of the original ones which is that one that's hanging on on my wall and i spent an absolute go grab it let's see that i want to see that it's it's absolutely beautiful this is a this is like a thirteen thousand dollar uh guitar one of the originals that he uh that he ever made it's an absolutely beautiful guitar that is um and and i was like i was like they're the nicest sounding guitars in the whole world i have to have one and they're really hard to find um and so i i searched high and low and i found one in like where was this it was in like turks and caicos or somewhere nowhere near us and i and i and i found the guy i was like can you ship this to me i need it and so i bought it from him and it turned up right at the end of recording so i was like yes we need to go back in and re-record all the clean guitars on this guitar which was a nightmare but it was worth it um and then you know i think see what's on the inside was one of those records where it was it was a lot of it was for us doing stuff like that it was so enjoyable but you know these days a lot of people that stuff kind of gets forced to the wayside it gets compressed and it gets mastered and that stuff comes out and then it you know when you play it through itunes they have their own compression and it kind of gets lost and it was and it was such a shame and it was so upsetting so for me for, on this album it was more okay let's we can get the sounds we need digitally to, to make the songs have the energy that they need and the energy that we want them to have and for things like the eternal pursuit of tone and stuff like that you know it, it can be a personal thing it's something that i enjoy at home with friends uh so that you know i can just enjoy it um whereas this time around you know like i said for us it was more important that the energy was there so instead of spending hours and hours on on finding the most insane tone that was perfect and silky smooth you know like if you listen to bad blood for instance the guitar tone is quite ugly it's not a great guitar tone you wouldn't sit there and go ah this has taken me forever it's but it was filthy. exactly the tone, that tone that is needed filthy man that. exactly exactly so it was like this is disgusting sounding which is what i want for this i was like so you know it was a different it was a different journey with with tones and stuff on this record but still the trusty strats 
I love that. And it just, you know what? Look, at the end of the day, you're supposed to be having fun doing this. It's, it's your job. You're not working a drive through or something. You're supposed to take as much time as you need and explore all the avenues. You know, get off at the wrong exits, but get back on the highway. Like, that's part of the journey and the fun. Exactly. You know, and I think that that this album, this time around, it was all about just fun and enjoying it. And we did take our time and we sat with songs. And if I wasn't just headbanging and having the time of my life whilst whilst recording, like I want to do that song. You know, I want to be having fun while I'm while I'm doing it. Um and Bad Blood actually set the tone tone for that. That was the first song uh, that we wrote for the session that got me feeling that way. And I was like, man, this is so it reminded me of uh old system of a down. Um mm. you know and and I was like I love that. I love this feeling. And that kind of that's why it's the first song on the record, because it was the one that kind of set the tone. Uh, and I was like, OK, this is this is fun. And that risk going to sound great in an arena, too. I mean, come on. But yeah, it's it's I think a lot of these songs will. So, you know, again, the, it takes me back to let go. It's so big and it's so open. Um, you know, I think. Uh, yeah, man, this was a, it was a really fun experience making this record. We did it in such a different way, being able to do it at home in our own studios um, was a really nice change of pace because there was no time limit. It was like, you're not in the studio from this day to this day, you best get it done. It was, we're doing it at home at our own pace. So we could really take the time to make sure that we were happy with everything. Um, and it just made, it made it a really enjoyable experience, which is, you know, we've not experienced writing a record like that before. Yeah. Was, um, what's it, what's it like being, I mean, like, are you still sober? Like you still in the sober wagon these days or? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sober. I drink, uh, I like wine. Like I drink wine. I don't drink yeah. liquor or spirits or anything like that. Um, I just, I tend to just. And, uh, I'll have, I'll have some beer every now and again, you know? Yeah. Um, but really yeah, it's, it's, I like to stick with the, with a nice wine with, uh, at dinner or something, or if I go out for a meal. Yeah. No, cause I went to rehab last year and like, I've been like sober for a little bit. I've had like a couple of drinks here and there. Yeah. It's, it's not that easy. You know, we want to go out and have a nice glass of wine with dinner and it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to do that, but I'm afraid of, I'm do that. Well, then it turns into like doing blow for two days. So it's, like, <laughs> so. yeah. See, and that's the point to get to, you know, is to be able to just moderate moderation, you know, which, you know, it is, it is, it was a tough thing for a lot of people. Um, but you know, once you can find that happy medium and go, okay, I've had, I've had some wine with dinner now. It's time for bed. You know, it's a whole different ball game. It's it's, it's uh it's nice. It's good. But congratulations, by the way, on you know working on that journey. Well, I was gonna say back at you. I mean, like especially in the world, like in the music business stuff, it's fucking hard to you know to do that. And I was just gonna say, like you know, has that affected your songwriting in any way? Like you know, were you afraid, like oh fuck, like I'm not gonna be in that mindset of like being you know crazy and like that's when come, some of the cool shit comes out. I actually was really afraid of that. Um, but you know it's like my mom spoke to me a lot about it and she was like look you were never this way growing up you know growing up i didn't drink a lot i didn't i didn't party or any of that stuff you know i uh, it was only when you, you sort of fall into this horrible spiral of in the music industry and people almost expect it of you and they push they push it on you and that's how you're supposed to be and, and you know you finally kind of get lost in that world for a while but as soon as you know you, you come out of it yeah, I was nervous. Like, wow, what if, what if my success, you know, um, and my songwriting abilities are from that? And my mum was like, "Well, that's just not true because you've been writing since you were a kid, and you've always loved songwriting. You've always been so proud to show me the song 
songs and stuff uh and she was like you know you've still got it. as soon as you again you realize oh you know that wasn't part of it it wasn't part of it at all you know it was just a, so um so you know now that that happened to me for a few years ago you know we did i did um like a house on fire it was completely sober and all that stuff and it was daunting but since then you know it's it's actually more enjoyable it's much more enjoyable yeah yeah and especially going in and you can actually enjoy and like relish in your accomplishments and like you know shit i wrote that and i didn't need outside substance to influence it or you know it, it's a good feeling it is a really good feeling exactly yeah you feel more accomplished yeah you feel validated in a way <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's like, and two, you know, it, for me, it opened a whole, see what's on the inside was great for me because it really allowed me to step back and re-fall in love with, with guitar and, and stuff again. You know, it gets to the point where you, you start feeling like you're just, just a cog in a machine and, and, you know, people are like, okay, you have to do another record. You have to do another tour. You have to do this, you have to do this. And you're just kind of going and you're not even really there anymore. You're just kind of a shell of a person. Um, and see what's on the inside for me was like my producer really helped me step outside of that and rediscover um, guitar and tones. And, and that's why I think I went overboard on that record. And I, you know, we used like 30 heads and we had like 60 plus guitars that we brought to the show, like all this stuff. And I think, you know, that was just me re falling in love with, with the instrument I fell in love with as a kid. Um, so, it was a, you know, it's important. I completely agree. Super, super important. And you know what? When you find, when you rediscover that love for something that you neglected for so long because other things were influencing you, I mean, like, it's it's nice. It's almost like you know, it's like you said, refalling in love again, and it it completely it changes your life when you look at yeah. that way. I guess. I mean, it kind of sounds kooky and like you know, but I, I don't think it is. But it is. Yeah, you're kind of finding yourself again. Mm hmm. Um, talking about that, I know we're running out of time, but are you going to be hitting the road, the Psycho Thunder tour? Um, what can fans expect from this big live show? You're going to be running dates all the way, kicking off August 30th in San Antonio, wrapping up in LA uh, in October. Uh, what can fans ex uh, expect? You got big production, changing up the set list. Yeah, I think for me, you know, it's it's kind of bittersweet because um, I've explained this a few times now. But my my wife, basically, I've got me and my wife have four children. Um, she was born with glaucoma. Uh, and you know she had some operations and surgeries when she was um, a baby that brought her vision back to 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 some extent. So she's been fine most of her life, but it's been deteriorating. Um, and so she's actually gone completely blind in uh, I think it's her left eye now, uh, com completely blind in that eye, and her other eye is deteriorating at quite a rate now as well. So she's no longer she's not able to drive, uh, you know, which means she can't drive the kids to school. She can't do you know doctor's trips with them or for her when she needs to go and get her eyes sorted out there's you know all kinds of things so for me in my life uh to pack up my bags and go okay i'll see you guys in in eight weeks time it's just not something i can do uh anymore you know i have to put my family first i have to be there for, and take care of my children and my family and and yeah. and, and all that so for, unfortunately for me i'm not going to be able to i won't be on the tour i don't think that's something that's uh i can do um Damn. at this at this moment in time yeah but i know obviously i've been talking to the guys every day about um the tour they're, they're super excited the set list um that they've put together is amazing it's uh it's they're playing songs that 
haven't been played in, in years. You know, songs like Breathless are being thrown on the set list and to the stage and, and stuff like that. So I think the set itself is is such a cool mix um, of our of, of the of the band's career. So, you know, I think the show's gonna be amazing. And obviously, like I said, it's bittersweet um that I can't be there with with the guys, but you know, I you just have to put your children first and your wife first, especially yeah. when it comes to their health and well-being. So, you know, I'll be cheering them on uh, from the sidelines for sure. And I think it's going to be uh, an amazing show. They've been working really hard at it. Yeah. And look, I have all the respect in the world for that family first, man. Good on you. The road will always be yeah. there. But you know what? It's the end of the day. Family is what you come home to. Exactly. You know, and I, I just can't I can't leave my wife with no way to drive the kids to school. And yeah. and, you know, she's the, the only one there cooking meals for four kids and trying to rely on other people to help take the kids to and from school to doctor's visits to even birthday parties and stuff. You know, it's just not it's not the right thing to do. And I, I have to I have to put my family first. Um, and, you know, one day I think uh, I hope my kids will appreciate it. You know, I'd. I don't want to be, you know, I'm sure a lot of people go, oh, it would be cool if your kids were like, yeah, well, my dad, you know, was a rock star or whatever. It's like, I don't really care about that. I'd much rather my my kids grew up and, and they they say, oh, my dad was always there. You know, it's, yep. I, I just want to be there, you know, whenever they need me, whenever they need anything. And so for me, that has to be my priority right now. No, absolutely. I was just going to say, I'd rather, I'd much rather my kids say, yeah, my dad was a rock star, but my dad was there. And my dad was there. Exactly. So important. It goes a long way, you know. Well, uh, you know what? You know what? Forget forget the pyro and everything for the show. They should just get the Ben Bruce hologram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like that. Uh, is it ABBA that's doing that at yeah, the moment? It was ABBA. That's, I need to. My parents have been to see that ABBA show twice. They said it's amazing. I need to go see it. I have to go see it. Yeah, I'd love to see. It. Is that that was set up in London? I think right. They, there was like a residency yeah. or something. It's still going. I need to. I need to go. Yeah. London's literally like 30 minutes away from me. I need to, I don't know why I haven't been yet. I need to get going. I need to go see it. Well, next time I'm in London, I'll hit you up. We'll go together. It'll be a date. We'll go see ABBA together. We'll get some, <laughs> we'll get some ABBA t-shirts, some big foam fingers. It'd be great. Dude, foam fingers. Holy shit. <laughs> ABBA foam fingers. I'd love that. Are you that. Why do, how, you know what? I'm going to call the guys and tell them they need to sell big foam uh metal yeah. horns at the merch table just massive foam hands it'd be so good dude i saw acdc back in 2008 and they were selling the light up devil horns like they put on yeah every single person in the in the stadium had those you know how much bank they made that night just on those those little things alone probably cost like two cents from china so cool too what a cool thing yeah uh well look uh it's been great talking to you man uh brand new record is available now wherever you get your music where do we go from here it's on the vinyl and cds you guys are still about the physical right yeah we love it you know and i think whenever we put a record together we do think of the order of the songs because it's important to us that even the vinyl you know you want side b to be just as good as side a so we, we still very much think that that way um which I don't know if everyone does anymore. Maybe not, but for us, yeah, we love that. Well, I think it's coming back. So, especially a lot Maybe of artists. Nice. Like everybody thought the music business was going to shift, and then iTunes and Spotify. But now fans are rebelling against it. Like, no, I want to go to the store. I want to do the pre-order that comes with the, the T-shirt and all this stuff. So that's nice, and it sounds better. Put a vinyl on; it sounds better. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, well, look, great talking to you. Get back to the kids. Get back to the wife. Appreciate that, man, Jeremy. It was great to talk to you, mate. Thank you for having me.
an all-new episode of The Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. 